We're uh, finishing up today a series called Game Changers, and what we're doing is we're talking about how every so often you stumble across a verse, and it's like a game changer in your spiritual life, and that happened to me last week. Uh, those of you who are uh, regulars here at CCV, you know that, gosh, over a year now, I've been working through the Gospel of Matthew, and last week I landed on chapter 25, and I came across a story, a parable that I've read a million times, and I was just going to skim right over and go on to chapter 26, but I'm glad I didn't, because as I did, God reached out and grabbed me. Something happened in me. It was a game changer for me, and it's my prayer that it's going to be a game changer for you this morning. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 begins, again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold went at once as well and gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Look what happened. I have gained five more for you. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. Look, I I gained two more. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I actually was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. But see here, here, here's here's your bag of gold. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have at least gotten some interest back. Take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to point out two things that that don't come through real well in translation. One is that previous Bible translations used to call this the parable of the talents. Have you ever heard the parable of the talents? I grew up in church where we talked about the parable of the talents. The most recent NIV translation got it right by calling it the parable of the of the bags of gold. Now, the reason so many Bible translations called it the parable of the talents is the King James Version 
which was from 1611, translated the word uh, talentan as talent. They just transliterated it. Basically, took what it sounded like in Greek and made it an English word. The King James Version in verse 15 says, Unto him he gave five talents. And so that Greek word talentan um, means that. Now, a talentan is a bag of money. A bag of money the size that a Roman soldier could carry on his back. New Testament scholar Grant Osborne says, A talent was the amount of weight a soldier could carry on his back and referred to 75 to 100 pounds of gold, which by today's standards, that's up to a million dollars worth of gold. Uh, For those of you who are backpackers and you have bags, imagine the 85-liter bags that you can carry, the biggest backpacking bag, shove every inch of that full of gold, that's the, that's the amount of gold that we're talking about. Now, um, when I used to read this, I thought it was talking about my actual talents. I had, like, this guy had five talents. This person had two talents. This person had one talent. I'm like, well, I have two talents. Uh, I've taught my cat to come when I whistle. Listen. And, and my cat will come. The other thing is, I have the talent of rolling my tongue. Look at this. Lean to the person next to you and roll your tongue for them right now. Let's see. Can you do that? Raise your hand if you can't roll, their t- you can't roll your tongue. Look around. Huh? Worthless servants. Worthless servant. No, I'm just kidding. Right? So the second, second thing that I want to point out about this parable that you kind of miss in translation is that the NIV, NIV translators don't translate correctly the word servant. Verse, seven, verse 14 says, he called his servants and entrusted wealth to them. The word servant is not the most accurate translation, and it's important to know why. Um, The other weekend, uh, Lisa and I went to the movie tavern. I like going there because, as a friend of mine said, aren't you the pastor of the movie tavern church? And I said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. So I feel like I have to make an appearance occasionally there. Anyway, so we're at a movie. We're, uh, we're there, and we had snuck food in that we got from Wegmans like we do, and we're going to hell. And so we're sitting there watching the trailers, right? We're reading the food, and we're watching the trailers. And while we're watching the trailers, a trailer for a TV show that went off the air last year is now being made into a movie, Some of you actually liked this evil show. It was on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock. It was a British show. It was a show that on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock, the first person to the couch and turned the TV on won my show, the greatest TV show of all time, The Walking Dead, was also on at 9 o'clock. But if Lisa beat me to the couch, I couldn't watch my show until 10 o'clock. She had to watch her stupid show. Anyway... I don't know why she didn't want to watch zombies eating people. So they turned her show into a trailer, and I saw it, and I recognized what was going on. So I pulled my phone out, and I videoed her, her reaction to this show. So take a look right here. Yes. 
if you go to see that movie, you will not go to heaven, okay? <laughs> you will just not go to heaven. So, you know, the, the show Downton Abbey is about Lord Grantham, who oversees a huge English estate, and he has servants and butlers and cleaning ladies and drivers. Lord Grantham, can I interest you in some tea while I draw you a bath? Ah, come on, I can't watch a show, right? But that's what we think of when we think of servants. We think of English castles and that sort of thing. That's not the word that Jesus used here, and it's important that we understand why. The word that Jesus used was the Greek word doulos, which was the Greek word for slave, an actual slave, someone who sold themselves into slavery or was purchased as a slave to do the master's work. Matthew 25, 14 says, and he called his own slaves. Slaves. It literally meant slave. Jesus didn't say some rich guy went on a trip and left his money with his butlers. He called his three most trusted slaves and gave them money. Now, it's obvious why the NIV translators wanted to translate it servant rather than slave. They were trying to be sensitive to those of you who have slavery in your past, both here in the United States and people that are from around the world that are a part of our congregation. But it robs Jesus' words of their power because he's creating an analogy here. So what I want to do is I want to go back verse by verse through this parable, and you'll see why I believe it could be a game changer for everyone here. Verse 14, again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey. Now, in this story, this parable that Jesus is telling, he is the man going on the journey. In chapter 24, what precedes this, Jesus is talking about the end of the world, the how you know the end of the world is coming. And then he goes to chapter 25, and he tells three back-to-back stories about how his disciples need to get ready how they need to be ready because he can come back at any time. This story that we're looking at is one of those three stories, and the intent is to make sure that we're prepared for when he comes back and we're not caught off guard. So he says the master in this situation is going away on a business trip, and his disciples, we, the slaves in the story, have been entrusted with bags of gold. One of the Apostle Paul's most favorite ways of talking about himself is as a slave of Christ. He said in what we call the book of Romans, the letter to the church in Rome, I, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. And this was not an endorsement of slavery. This was his use of the Greek language to draw an analogy. In the same way his hearers in Rome would know what a slave was, since roughly half of the population in Rome were slaves, he understood drawing that analogy to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to renounce all ownership of your life and to be all in and fully in as a follower. And so Jesus is going away, and he is going to, and he, his slaves are entrusted with the bags of gold. And to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now notice this. Then he went off on his journey. This is obviously referring to the gifts and the ability and the resources that you have been given as a disciple of Jesus. You have a certain amount of money. You have a certain amount of time. You have gifts and abilities that Jesus has given to you. 
He died, went to heaven, and he's going to return from the journey, and he is going to come back, and you are going to have to give an account of how you use those resources. Every person here has been given a massive amount of resources. Now, in Lower Galilee, where Jesus lived, there were roughly about 180,000 people. Uh, Talantan is roughly up to a million dollars in today's standards, which would have meant that this businessman had accumulated $8 million worth of gold, which would have made him one of the wealthiest people in the region. And the point that Jesus is saying is that you have an enormous amount of gifts and abilities. That every disciple of Jesus has been given an enormous pile of gifts, money, resources, ingenuity, and opportunities. And he expects us to use that to make more and better disciples and not squander what he has given us. Now let me just pause here and ask you this question. Have you squandered those resources? He's going to come back. You're going to have to give an account. How are you doing when it comes to managing and being a steward of the resources that he's given you? Now, it shouldn't seem strange that a businessman gave three of his most trusted slaves his money to manage because in the ancient Near East, in Jesus' time, slaves were teachers, accountants, and treasurers. And in this story, they're highly skilled business experts. And so it shouldn't seem strange that Jesus left us in charge of all of these resources. And so he goes on, verse 16. The slave who had received five bags of gold went at once, didn't wait, and put his money to work and gave five bags more. 100% profit. He maximized everything. So also the slave with two bags of gold immediately doubled it and made two more. Even though he had lesser abilities, then the person that had been given five million, he still realized that they needed to go and he needed to double that. I want you to notice here that in this story, there's no hint of jealousy. The person that was given one bag of a million dollars worth of gold did not look at the one with two and say, hey, wait a minute, come on here, come on now. Really? And the guy with two didn't look at the guy of five and say, come on, seriously? And then why, why is that the case? Because they were all slaves. It wasn't their money. They were simply managing what Jesus had given to them. Now, it's really hard sometimes to get on social media and see other people who may have been given more by Jesus in terms of gifts and abilities and resources and money and whatever opportunity and that sort of thing. It's really, really hard. This past week, Lisa and I had dinner with the pastor of the second largest church in the United States, 32,000 people, also called Christ Church of the Valley. Uh, their former pastor, I, used, I called him up, I was like, hey, do you mind if I call this church Christ Church? That has nothing to do with your church. It's Christ Church in Philadelphia, and it's the region of, 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 of the greater valley. And he said, that's fine. I love it sometimes when people confuse us. Uh, oh, you're the pastor of Christ Church of the Valley. Yes, I am. Second... <laughs> Second largest church in the United States. Anyway, Ashley and his wife, Jamie, they're just great. We love them. When I was 20 years old, I would have sat across the table from them, and I would have been just unbelievably jealous. But now that I'm in my mid-30s, I looked at him, 
I did. I was just so happy. God has done enough of a work in my heart that I have been able, literally just right across, I just am overjoyed with what God is doing in the life of that church. And that's what slaves do. We're slaves of Christ. And when you look at someone else in this congregation and somehow you're not truly happy for them, that God just still has a little bit of a work to do left in your heart. Because it's not our resources. It's not our bodies, not our money. It's not our time. It's not any. It's all his. So verse 18 continues, But the slave who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground. He took his gifts and abilities and opportunities and did nothing with them. I think you're starting to see why this spoke to me so much. After a long time, the master of those slaves returned and settled accounts with them. And and the image of what's happening here behind this story that Jesus told is he is going to return. A lot of Christians forget that. It could be tonight. He could wrap up the world and we're all going to judgment tonight. We all realize that, right? We may not be here next week. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we celebrate the Lord's Supper till he comes. As the Apostle Paul said, we take the bread and the cup and we remember it till he comes. Might be tomorrow. It might be next Saturday. And he's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you to make more and better disciples? Well, the slave who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you gave me five bags of gold. Look, I got five more. And he's like, well done, that was awesome. Way to go, man. I know how hard it was. I know the temptation of the culture of taking your ability, your time, your resources, and just squandering it all on yourself and doing nothing. But you did it. Well done. So I want you to notice two words, good and faithful. Success is something that our culture is obsessed with. Jesus is obsessed with faithfulness. Faithfulness means we're ourselves. We're not trying to be someone else. We're just simply humbly taking what God has given us and we're faithfully using it to do what Jesus would do if he was here. And we're not trying to be successful. Two very, very different things. I love what author Cheryl Strayed said in her book, Brave Enough. She said, stop asking yourself what you want what you desire, what interests you. Ask yourself instead, what has been given to me? Ask, what do I have to give back? Then give it. Well, verse 22 continues, the slave with two bags of gold also came, master, I got two more. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so, so pumped up at what you did. You did it. You did it when everybody around you was squandering all of the resources You kept your eye on the goal. You knew I was going to come back. You knew I was going to come back. And you did it. Well done. But what does he say to the one who has nothing? Then the slave who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. 
But here it is. And you're thinking, Jesus is going to freak out. Oh my gosh. That slave did nothing. But what was the main reason? I was afraid. And if we're honest, this is why we don't use our gifts. We're afraid that if we give generously to the church, that we're not going to have enough money. We're afraid that if we put ourselves out there to lead a group or serve with students or with kids or with adults, it, no telling what could happen. It may not go well. We're afraid that if we take a risk with our gifts and commit to something, we're going to get too stressed out and overwhelmed and have to quit. And so it's better not to do anything than to start something and then later have to quit, right? Jesus responds, you wicked and lazy slave. Why does he say wicked? Because if you have the cure to cancer and you don't tell that your friend that has cancer the cure, you are wicked. How much more so the person that understands the gospel the ability for a human being to be forgiven and reconciled with their God, both here in this life and beyond, and say nothing. That is wicked, and it's lazy. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. Something is better than nothing. You want to know why this spoke to me so much? So I'm in... I'm in the Gospel of Matthew, and my intent, my goal, is to create a church-wide experience for discipleship, of helping people right out of the baptism waters grow into discipleship. And that's why I'm spending so much time on the Gospel of Matthew. And this week, when I'm getting to the end of it, it was just like God was saying, come on! Let's, let's go. What, are you going to take another three years? Come on. Microsoft just sends it out and ships it and then sends revision 16.5.0. Apple does the same thing. My phone updates every week with updates 16.6.5.0.3. Some of you are in business and you understand what it's like to tweak on a product and just keep moving it. Eventually, you got to ship. And that's just my tendency, honestly. If I'm just speaking about myself, I have a tendency to to really think on something for too long. And it just was like, God was just shaking me. Like, there's too much. You, no pro- you have no guarantee that there is going to be a 2021. There are people who need to know me and grow in discipleship, and you're just sitting on this thing. So anyway, I see two things in this parable for everybody here. I see a challenge, and I see an opportunity. Okay? Here's the challenge. The challenge is we're all going to stand before Jesus and we're going to have to give account for our lives. We cannot ignore that this is the central idea in the parable of the bags of gold. You and I are going to die. Some of you will not be here in five years. Some of you will not be here in two years. Some of you will not be here in two decades. We don't know. But the one thing we all have in common is that every single one of us will stand alone before the Father and have to give an account for the enormous pile of resources. 
I meet so many Christians who are like, you know what, I'm not a pastor. I'm not. Come on, are you kidding me? I meet people all the time in this church who are unreal in their giftedness. And, and they just sit on it. So many people that they get influenced for the kingdom. And they sit on it. And you need to feel that challenge. That's not a thing. That's not coming from me. That's coming from Jesus. He's coming back. He's going to look at you in the eyes and say, what have you done? But here's the opportunity with this. The opportunity is, when you give yourself fully to Jesus as his slave, when you start using your unique gifts and ability, it makes you come alive. The glory of God, as Irenaeus, a pastor in the third century said, is the glory of God as a human being fully alive. And you become fully alive when you use your gifts and abilities. Let me tell you, you want, you want, to, you want to know what adds stress? Adding more stuff to your life that doesn't matter. That adds stress. Keep doing stuff that has no eternal consequence to it. That right there will add stress to your life. When you give a little bit more and a little bit more of your life to using the God-given gifts that God has given you to influence people for his kingdom, it makes you come alive. You're like, I just, I got to keep doing this. I feel amazing inside. I feel light. You do the opposite. You follow the way of the world. It's completely different. My youngest daughter right now is in Tanzania. Uh, she is uh, a sophomore at a Christian college in California. I love, love, love this Christian college. I've told you before, you have to. You, one of the greatest investments you can make for your kids is to send them to a Christian college. This Christian college is amazing, one of the best academic co- uh, schools in the country. But they love preaching the gospel, not just with words, but through service. And so she has the opportunity to be mentored by some amazing people. Anyway, she's in Tanzania this week, and we've been following along in our family group chat. Do you guys have those? Do you have family group chats where you'll send texts and pictures and videos and make fun of each other and that sort of thing? Um, She, um, for the first, for two days, uh, she spent time in um, a baby um, rescue home where they have 60 infants. And I'm not talking about they have babies all the way up to two years old. I'm talking about they have 60 babies that are one week old, two weeks old, three weeks old, and four weeks old, and five and six weeks old. And um, she, for two days, was given the privilege of going in and holding these babies and giving the caregivers a break. How many of you like holding babies when they're really, really young and fragile, raise your hand. God bless you. You're amazing. You know what I like? Babies that are big and fat. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way you're breaking that baby. I was 36 pounds at 10 months. That's how big I was. My youngest was 30 pounds uh, at 10 months. And I love the big babies. I remember uh, uh, Gabby Wilson here at our church. Uh, oh, just the most adorable little baby. And I told Lisa, because we had, we had three daughters, I was like, we need to have a fourth. And she was like, you know what you need to do? Go work in the nursery. That's what you need to do. <laughs> anyway, being at a baby rescue place in Tanzania where uh, women that go in childbirth, one in nine of them will die, I know that that speaks 
to some people, like going and spending a couple days holding crying babies, that's not my thing. That's not my gift. But that may be your gift, and that's definitely my daughter's gift. And so what I'm saying is that what you consider like joy for you may not be joy for someone else, which is why you need to use your gifts. Two days later, uh, she, you got to read this. Um, she said, Today I volunteered to be in the poop group. They're in Tanzania in a Maasai village. Everybody know what um, the Maasai tribe is? Maasai is one of many, many different tribes in Kenya and Tanzania. These are the really tall guys that have the, the red outfits where they jump up and down. They're pastoral people, and they build their homes, and they have the cattle in with them. Anyway, uh, I, had the, I volunteered to be a part of the poop group, and uh, we went and worked on a bathroom in the Maasai village, and we had to use elephant poop to rebuild the walls. And so she put gloves on. She was talking about how gross it was because the elephant poop juice would fall and that sort of thing. So I have a couple pictures here. Uh, here she, these are fresh piles of elephant poop. And um, you go to the next picture. I mean, they, you have the next picture? Anyway, so they had their, that, that sort of thing. Some of you are thinking, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to pick elephant poop up and smear it on a wall for, for a bathroom. And I, I'm pretty sure you could... She would say the exact same thing. You couldn't pay me anything to do this. She just loves doing it. And that's, that's what I want to challenge you. Everybody's thinking of all the things you're going to give up. When you use your gifts and ability, it makes you come fully alive. It's not adding more things to your life. It's giving you more things. It is a privilege to be able to get to use our gifts and abilities. It's not a have to. It's a get to. And so, yes, while we all are going to face judgment, we need to understand it is a privilege to get to be slaves of Christ. But here's the thing. It's not just the believers in Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, who are going to stand before him. It is also non-believers, people who have not followed Jesus in the way and have been baptized. Next week, we are going to have a baptism service, and we're going to give those of you who have not made that decision the opportunity to follow Jesus in baptism. Now, some of you have been sprinkled as infants, and so when you hear baptism, you're like, oh, check that box. I'm already good. Actually, no, you're not. It's really, really good what your parents did for you, but baptism, according to Jesus, is immersion underneath water for someone who is an older child and an adult. Because what you're doing, the wall, going underneath the water, it's like you're dying going into a tomb, and then you're coming back up. And so what I want to challenge you to do is just to be honest that you enjoy this, you enjoy the people, but enjoying this and enjoying the people does not make you a believer in Jesus. You only do that when you cross the line of faith. So in your program, there is a card. Blue card says baptism service. And during communion, which the yesers are going to come here in a moment, they're going to pass the bread, they're going to pass the cup. And we want you to hold on to those. But for those of you who have not been baptized yet by immersion, 
I want you to take this card out. The decision that you are going to be making is am I all in or not? I want you to fill out this card during communion, fold it in half, and as you're leaving, drop it in the bowls when the ushers are there. For those of us who are already disciples of Jesus, this is an opportunity to remember Jesus, to proclaim through the celebration of the supper that he has provided for us, that we are his and that he is coming back again for us. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.